Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of Midweek Metagame. I'm your host, Gabriel Nassif, joined by one of my regular co-hosts, Canister. Hello. Nice to nice to get with you to talk about some magic cats. Yeah, me too. Um we do the podcast. If you want to support us, you can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash midweek metagame. Of course our Content was always be free, but it uh, still helps to keep us going. If you want to support us, that's really cool. And uh, yeah, Pat couldn't be with us today. He's really busy with work, life, uh, potential move, etc. So um, yeah, he'll be back hopefully with us next time. But yeah, let's get into the the episode. We've got tons to talk about. Cancer and I've been playing a lot of modern. I've done well with a cool Boombas deck. Canister thinks he's got the best decks in both Modern and Pioneer figured out. And we also well, have... What... Yeah, I do, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I got. That's from what we're talking about. And uh, we also have a few cards from Excellent to talk about a few cards that caught our eye. So, yeah, why don't you lead up the app and tell us what you've been playing enjoying think it's good these days yeah i've been looking through my uh streams because i've been archiving them uh, a while ago and i've been typing the words time warp beans a lot and uh, the words modern problem a lot because that's basically all i've been playing for the past uh, few weeks the time warp uh, beans variant but uh, honestly after spending more and more time on it, I'm getting more and more of the same vibes that I always get from four-color decks, which is that you feel great when when you line up your answers, but it's just kind of like an easy feeling to slip into and think that you have a favorable matchup against everything, but then you actually end up going 2-2 every prelim, which uh, is somewhat close to to my experience so i just revert to saying that the best second modern is primal titan amulet and i'm gonna be interested in revisiting the deck primal titan with the new cards uh, spelunking sunken citadel some new interesting improvements potentially in lost caverns of excellence so that's what i've been up to yeah, I get the same feeling with these four-color decks. It feels like you should be doing better than you are, but I guess at some point you have to go with the results. You know, it's it's good to rely on your your feelings, your experience, yeah. the, the theory. But um, yeah, every time every time I fire up a problem with four-color, I just like you know I feel great. I have like this new technology for a matchup for like a matchup X, and I think yeah, it's gonna be great. And like I don't end up playing against that matchup, and I. Get paired against like a Valakut deck, which is a zero percent uh, matchup that you just kind of can't help. So you're like, oh yeah, so that's a free loss. Then your problem is a two-two, and then like today, today uh, in the morning, I just fired a amulet problem, easiest photo of my life, and I'm like, yeah, that's that feels like home. That's good vibes. Yeah, even with the more proactive approach of Beans, Charlotte's agents, time warp to some extent is proactive, you know. I guess it's it's hard for 
the brain to quantify the little all the little things that can go wrong when you're playing four colors, bunch of lamps compared to some of these, these modern decks that are even more streamlined that play very few lands or they're so good at doing the same thing over and over again. You are, but maybe not as consistent. Do you think it's the consistency issue? Seems like it, right? That's probably a good way to frame it. Consistency issue, like I'm... Although I'm I'm being able to to go 2-2 in a prelim pretty consistently with that deck, so... Yeah. Yeah, no, my results have been decent with Beans, but I also haven't been blown away. I don't feel like I'm doing anything too broken. You know, it's still tough to beat a bunch of Bowmasters. Um, there's still some matchups that feel like they're slightly favored, but if... You know, you still have to have the right cards in the top 10, 12 decks of your... If you don't draw the top, you know, mm -hmm. the right cards in the top 12 cards or so, the game's kind of over and you didn't even have time to to get things going. Not even talking about just... And also... I was going to joke that not even talking about Boom Bust, which is uh, borderline bus, unbeatable yeah. for these, these Omnath decks, these Beanstalk decks. It's very very well could be, but I my brain doesn't process your boom bust uh, deck all that well just yet. But I'm hoping to hear a little bit about it. But one extra thing with with being stunned, even get me started on having to think about the burn matchup with that deck because that is one of the most traumatic experiences for me in Magic the Gathering trying to beat burn with that deck. No matter how many core firewalkers or any type of life gain burn hate card I put into my deck, it ne it's never enough. I feel like these I... double white creatures are kind of a trap, whether it's trying to beat scam, trying to beat burn, trying the double white aspect, the impact's not that high. Burn has the vortex now. Scam sometimes doesn't even care about a two two because they just kill you as void walkers. Yeah. I've I've liked Order of Champions against uh, Scam a little bit because like they did help with the aspect of uh, dying to the Bowmasters a little bit because it is a little bit of a life gain. It's it stops the damage, but uh, certainly you know yet another way for things to go wrong. Having a Zag of Triumph, Steam Vents, Order of Champion hand. That's that's certainly right. Yeah, yeah. Now I could totally relate when you're saying. You know, one game didn't go so well. One game, I got my bad matchup, and the the burn thing is tough. I feel like that's the classic. Done... It's the classic Nassif for all, right? The, <laughs> that was like the joke from ages ago. Yeah. So yeah, one one match I got unlucky. One match against like a deck that's zero percent of the meta, but then that adds up to a two-two problem every time. Yeah, you do have to make these sideboard choices. I can't can't get everything, but. Uh... Yeah. So, what 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 have you been what what have you been playing since then? Then in modern, did you switch decks, or you were talking about Titan? Or, or yeah, Titan. That, Titan. Yeah. Titan is just a deck I vibe with greatly. Since I picked it up after I don't know, I think after Lord of the Rings uh, with the One Ring, it's just kind of has a good intersection of being more powerful uh, thanks to the ring and also just Mikos and Gardens making it so that it's a actually 
a proper combo deck so often. I just vibe well with that and I'm able to have decent results most of the time when I play it and I also am having a lot of fun when I'm playing it, which uh, is also nice. And yeah, the amulet uh, puzzle is also... The deck building puzzle is just something that keeps on giving, right? Every Seemingly every new set now, there is some weird effect that amulet at least has to consider, right? So, yeah. Lost Caverns of Ixalan, no different here with uh, the two cards I already mentioned. Yeah, do you think Titan would have been a good choice for PT Barcelona, for instance? Because I remember I had some of the best Titan players in the world on my team, and they were all saying that the deck was just bad and it was a trap, and I wonder if it's... something changed or just a meta or they were wrong. I'm also like not sure about where that comes from. The I'm not sure it was great for Barcelona, uh, yeah. but you Is know, it... seemingly, seemingly Dom Harvey did well, I guess, with it. Top eight with it was capable of doing that. Uh, on top of that, there is like one thing that I do differently with Amulet than most of the Amulet players I. I talk with or read their opinions on the internet. Namely, uh, it's pretty popular in Amulet to shave on sagas, shave on Mikulsev gardens, maybe even shave on amulets when you are sideboarding against, especially scam or blood moon decks in general. But what I've been doing, I just has hasn't been sideboarding away from the combo at all, and I just always keep it a combo deck. And if I lose to 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 a blood moon, then so be it. There is game three, or I guess not another match on the horizon, and that served me well. And I just really enjoyed the fact that it's a combo deck. I've I I like playing combo, and I've been longing for that feeling for a long time. And Amulet is able to provide me with something that I thought was lost in modern, but with Mikosin Gardens. Saga and Amulet, you just have 12 Amulets, it's so easy to have two in play, and once you have two in play, you just pop off, you just combo kill your opponent in, in one turn. Yeah, I agree, playing against Amulet, the, the, the redundancy that Garden gives you, and the threat of the One Ring uh, has been two of the most annoying things. I've been having cards like Alpine Moon and even Fulminator Mage, or people will have Charma, and that these cards are good as long as they're not playing a turn free ring because stopping them yeah. to getting from six mana is one thing, but it's much harder to stop them from getting to one ring mana. And your one for one removal is not going to go a super long way if they resolve a quick one ring. Yeah, you have to, you have to just accept that uh, Blood Moon is going to host you for the most part. But it's, it hoses you much less ever since the One Ring, of course. Uh, I've won like a decent amount of games where I just stuck a ring and just was able to draw through the moon into my Forest plus Bosseju combination, free, free my mana and then just win with my big hand. So that's doable and that is an aspect that wasn't present like Two years ago in Amulet, it was just, you know, Blood Moon. It was just lights out. Yeah, so you felt slightly favored against Scam, sounds like? Yeah, I mean, I've been winning. 
I've haven't had too much of an issue against scam. Like Blood Moon is not the best against the mirror, <laughs> I guess. So they don't even play that many right now, right? It's pretty common to see lists that have like one Blood Moon main deck, one in the sideboard. Yeah. Or something like that. So as long as I don't as I don't get mooned, I win most of the time. And just the fact that Urza Saga Microsoft Garden sets up double amulet. It just means that you're free to top deck a Titan and just win with a top deck, which is a really good strategy against the eight discard spells deck, where they mostly rely on disrupting you with discards. So I've just been trying to approach my games uh, this way, and it's been it's been fine. One thing that is a bit scary, though, is the prospect of uh, molten collapse replacing some of the terminates in the future if people are actually gonna do that because that would be a kind of a free roll way to answer amulets in their deck that card does seem really scary for that deck red black totally needed another great removal spell i said we we're gonna talk about the new cards at the end but i guess why don't we get at least into the ones that relate to titan and you were talking about molten collapse well Mm-hmm. We're talking about the deck, so why don't you tell us what you've seen in the new set that you think might... Uh, I think you've already told us the name of the cards, but tell the listeners what they do and how good you think they could right. be. So, the first one is Spelunking, a 3-mana enchantment, 2G. When ETBs, you draw a card, then you put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield, and if it was a cave, you gain 4 life. So you're probably mostly not going to be getting full life with it, but it's basically an explore or a growth spiral effect rather. And uh, it has a line of text that says that lands you control enter the battlefield untapped. Now, this is something that I'm not particularly looking uh, towards as a streamer because the way this static ability works is fairly unintuitive with Amulet of Vigor. Are you familiar with that interaction gap? I believe you just get to pick the one you want to use. For the most part, yeah. So you get to... You still get to pick whether you actually want your land to enter the battlefield tapped or untapped, as long as the land itself has the ability that says that it enters the battlefield tapped. If you are about to put a, let's say, a Slayer Stronghold tapped into play because you search for it with your uh, Primeval Titan, it's always gonna, it's always gonna be untapped. But if you're if you if you're searching for a Simming Grove Chamber, then you can choose to put it on the battlefield tapped, and then if you have multiple amulets, that could be beneficial for you because you could untap it multiple times instead of just having it untapped once via spelunking so it's only bad for you if you have multiple amulets and spelunking and you're getting them into play with Titan, basically because you're only going to get the one on tap instead of the multiple on taps from amulets did i get that right yeah yes it's also kind of redundant with a single amulet so if you have a single amulet and spelunking the amulet doesn't do anything or the spelunking doesn't do anything i guess of course, I was just yeah, but that's I was trying to point out the the downside, the the, the situations where there's a downside. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The, the most the most realistic bad situation is is uh, the Slayer Stronghold situation where uh, you 
sometimes rely on putting it onto the battlefield tap with Titan to untap it two or three times with your amulets to haste two or three Titans. And you might need to find some other ways to, to do that with uh, Spelunking in play. But uh, Vesuva, for the most part, should help you solve your issues. Yeah. So, this Spelunking is effectively just, you know, it is a free mana card, but it is kind of a combination between an amulet and quotation marks, like, and uh, just an explore effect, which uh, the amulet deck just always is happy to play as many of those as it is possible. Ramping is always very, very strong. And having more redundancy on amulets is also pretty pretty interesting. Now, I think spelunking maybe doesn't fit in the most clean way into the way I've been approaching building amulet so far, which is, as I mentioned, just trying to get double amulet uh, as often as possible with uh, four Mikosynth Gardens, four Saga, you know, all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but possibly there are some alternative builds worth uh, exploring and uh, delving into. So I'm keeping my eyes open on this card. And, uh, you know, it might also be, a, let's say, decent sideboard card against uh, grindier decks, especially decks that uh, try to stop you with uh, Force of Vigor or stuff like that. We're going for double amulet is more risky and... Spelunking, effectively replacing itself and being a ram spell is not very vulnerable to removal. If it sticks on the battlefield, great, you get the you get the effect. If it doesn't, you know, if it gets removed, then it's fine. You at least uh, got the ETB effect uh, already. Yeah, wear tear, force of vigor. You were talking about molten collapse that could be good against you. Yeah, yeah, Molten Collapse, Blanking dodges it. Yeah, you kind of laugh at them if their whole plan is like Nickel and Dime was one for once and one one spell on King kind of undoes uh, two or three of their removal spells. Yeah, so I think, I guess, Spelunking kind of is going to work better in the, uh, let's say, more fair plan of Mm -hmm. just casting a Titan and uh, just... Grinding your opponent with Talaria Wests, which is something that you end up doing in uh, in many matchups often, anyways, and it's gonna be a bit worse at fueling the double amulet uh, turns. Could, I'll could have it... to just think about how to exactly formulate Configure, my yeah. deck. Could it be a card where you play one main and you just have three more in the sideboard for these matchups? Could you see that happening? Sure. Sure, yeah, my last list, like the last list I've been playing with uh, today in the prelim, I just put three explorers into my sideboard because I just wanted to be able to swap my grazers for explorers against decks where blocking is not relevant, but I still want to have some early game ramp, and I mm. think it's a, it was a viable strategy, and it is a viable strategy, so a spelunking should be pretty decent in a similar role to Oh, that's cool. I know people did that exploring the sideboard. Okay. All right. So Spelunking works potentially with the, the the second card you you thought might be good. Sunken Citadel, which actually is a cave. So I guess if you play Sunken Citadels with Spelunking, you do get to 
gain your four life every now and then and four life four life is a lot so i guess yeah. it would be pretty nice uh but sunken citadel it is a land with the type cave it enters the battlefield tapped as it enters you choose a color and then it either taps to add one mana of the chosen color or it taps to add two mana of the chosen color which you can only spend to activate abilities of land sources. Uh, land sources meaning lands on the battlefield, but also could be lands in your hand or, I guess, in the graveyard probably too. Oh, wow. So it works with Bosejo and Tolaria West? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it works with Bosejo, it works with Tolaria West, it works with Ottawara if you want to play that. So that is certainly uh, pretty nice. We were this close away from being able to replace Boros Garrison, but unfortunately, uh, because it does produce two mana for activated abilities, and Slayer Stronghold does require you to pay two mana, but yeah. unfortunately, you just choose one color and you produce two mana of the same color, so mm. uh, you can't activate the, the ability that requires uh, to pay you Boros mana. To activate so that's a little bit sad but uh you know there's a few as, as you mentioned Bosseju and, and Tolera West is pretty cool uh, but I think the most important interaction of Sanken Citadel is the one with uh, Castle Garenbrig where it just then turns you know two of, two of your lands suddenly become ancient tombs for uh for your primal titan, if you have that uh, combination of wow. cards and play, or so that, that also might be helpful. That's a card people don't even play right now, right? Castle Garenbrig. Yeah, it's it's pretty rare to see any. Sometimes you see people playing one, but it's became kind of outmoded for the most part by Mikosynth Gardens Urza Saga because those plants don't mesh yeah uh, all that well together. So once again, this would be, I guess, a deck that would probably just play, you know, Sunken Citadel, Spelunking, Castle Garenbrig instead of Mikosynth Gardens. And what you would get is, I'm not sure if more or less consistency, but different consistency. And it's worth exploring and seeing how that plays. It should probably be pretty good at playing out, you know, a Titan yeah, with with your lands being untapped, so that's powerful enough to to beat a lot of players. It sh it should probably be more resistant to dissension effects. So yeah, that would be a reason to look into that. Yeah, it taps for Urza Saga too. You could go like turn yeah. on turn on Urza Saga amulet, turn to Citadel, make your token. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah, I've haven't made many many saga tokens yeah. uh, lately because just I just often play my saga on turn one or I just don't have the mana to make the tokens and it's not particularly important to make them. But whenever you can get one at a low cost, then that's a nice upside and certainly that scenario could come up. Yeah, or just play four spell and can for Citadel, sunken Citadel, and all of a sudden you're gaining a bunch of life against the aggro decks. I guess Burns already. A decent matchup, even though I did see you lose to Burn the other day on your stream. You you won game well, one, and then I think you got pretty 
pretty unlucky in the sideboard games. But, uh... Are you sure that happened with Amulet or what's that with the Beanstack? No, no, I think it was Amulet. I think you were up a game and the Euro player yeah, kind yeah. of just had it all. Um, certainly, well, certainly you can you can lose to to Ben with Titan, but it is it is from from the range of decks that I play, Amulet is absolutely the best against Bern, and I enjoy that horribly. I just struggle against Bern so often with everything else I play, but with Titan, it's for the most part smooth sailing. Even though, uh, yeah, times a timely smash to smithereens can stop me. There's something pretty satisfying. I've always felt that way, but having a really good matchup against one of the most uh, aggro decks played, you know, mm -hmm. I, I don't know what it is, but uh, yeah, yeah, I hear you. All right, so beans out, titans in. Anything else yeah. you you wanted to share about the deck? Uh, yeah, the... I actually, I actually just played my uh, modern Super League quarterfinal yesterday. I was playing against Reed Duke. It was a little bit of a weird format because we had to submit a deck for this one evening. Mm -hmm. So it was a deck that was submitted for just one match. And we knew our opponent. We knew the bracket. Yeah. So I knew I had to submit a deck to beat Reed Duke. And Reed Duke knew that he has to submit a deck to beat Canister. Uh, so it was nice for me, I guess, that he decided to go with uh, John Midrange. It's like pretty, pretty uh, typical Reed Duke fashion. So you know, I I've seen his deck list before we began playing, and I was like, yeah, John, that's gonna be so easy. Then I looked at his sideboard, and I I was sub I was I submitted Titan. Yeah. And I look at his sideboard and I see 15 singletons, amongst which I have noticed one Fumulator Mage, one Stone Rain, one Molten Rain, one Charmo, one Ashok Dream Render, and like some other... Alpine Moon <laughs> too? Other Alpine Moon, yeah. Force of Vigor. And I was like, yeah, well, I guess he prepared his sideboard for, for the range of decks that I'm <laughs> capable of, of playing. Did he have boil in his sideboard? He, he loves did have a boil. He too, did. So he I loves was... the boil. <laughs> I was afraid of playing out my dread of Elysian Grove ever because, you know, <laughs> boil. So, how did that play out? Well, rather simply, I just had ramped and killed him twice, and then he didn't draw any of his sideboard cards. Yeah. So he played like Ren and Six, picked up a Fetchland twice, and discarded it with Lillian of the Veil twice, which. Is a synergy, but yeah. less impressive than than my double amulets. Yes, that's why I tuned it for a tiny bit, and I saw Javier was playing Burn, and he actually did get paired against Beanstalk. So I guess Javier made a pretty aggressive meta call, and I think it paid off for him, right? Javier played against Nathan yesterday. Nathan was playing uh, Scam. Oh, never and... mind. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that must have been some other uh, week because I think that matchup hasn't uh, shown up yesterday. But okay, maybe I'm just trying. Uh, yeah, I was able to to secure a top four spot in the modern Super League, and next week we're gonna be playing the 
semi-finals and then finals. Uh, so you're going to have to register a deck for that. And the four players left are on one side of the bracket, me and Javier. Mm -hmm. uh, versus the other side of the bracket being Aspiring Spike and uh, Cory Bowmeister. So wow. you're going to see who... That's that's a quite the top four. How many players started? It was sixteen players at the beginning. So yeah, no offense to to the other players, but it seems like the the cream rose to the top. You, yeah. Javier, Spike, and Corey. When when we're talking modern, that's pretty. Uh, yeah, that's pretty it was, good. Yeah, it, it is a pretty nice even. I think it's a pretty pretty good show to to watch and a thing to follow. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, like a bit more better suited uh, schedule-wise for American viewers than European ones. But if you don't go to sleep early, then it is available on Wednesdays. Uh, yeah, you can at least catch the beginning. Then, I don't know yeah. if the VODs are... I'm assuming the VODs are open, at least on the Magic yeah, online yeah. channel. They're, so. also, they're, they're also on YouTube. Okay. Okay, yeah. So not that hard to, to keep it. Yeah. An eye on. Yeah, so you made top four of the Super League. I actually made top eight of a big event for Magic Online for the first time in a oh, while, yeah, it feels. Did. Yeah, I uh, I played a Boombus deck in, in the modern qualifier. I don't even really usually play these qualifiers, but for some reason, partly because of daylight savings, it was Sunday and the modern prelim or the modern challenge started at one in the afternoon in my time and this one started at half past 11 in the morning so i was like oh that's perfect you know i have some qps you could buy in with qps um i'll play that i'll have time to play a couple of rounds if i'm 0-2 or 1-1 i'll just um drop and get in the modern challenge because the qualifier was nine rounds i think um mm -hmm. those always get really big and it's kind of funny to, you know, see that you have to beat 400 other players on on Magic Online to get your RC invite, or you can go to Bitgosh and win a 15-person RCQ. Yeah, sometimes even eight players RCQ is the guy you play in the semis that doesn't even want to go, so you have to win, like, two <laughs> matches or something, basically. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's it's not ideal, but it, it is what it is. But yeah, the the Yushi this one was a bit smaller because it started early, so it got pretty much no Americans. And I know this was perfect for Europeans, and it was really nice. I don't know if they did it on purpose, and I gave them props on Twitter. But the layering was perfect because you start at top us eleven, you have time to play two rounds, you can drop, get in the modern challenge, and the way it worked out is actually. I doubled queued for the first time in a long time. I tried not to double queue because I'm not the fastest and it's I don't think it's enjoyable for me or the viewers. But this one, I was playing two kind of fast decks and it was almost perfect. The round, I was playing one round, finishing, and then the one more round was started. I literally couldn't have scheduled it better. And I actually lost the first round and won eight in a row to make top eight. Ended up losing in the quarters to Strosky. While we played, I was going to scoop because he needed the invite and I didn't. And um, it was funny, actually. I was like, do you need the invite? And he's like, yes. I'm like, okay, cool, GL. And then he was like, okay, GL. And I'm like, oh, no, I mean, GL for the next round. I'll just scoop, you know. So 
Um, but yeah, I guess I, I should talk a bit about the deck. It was something we brewed. It was just on my stream. I was like, oh, I feel like brewing, you know, the next PT is in four months. So there's a bit of a lull where kind of goofing around and trying stuff. And I'm not sure who suggested Boombus, but someone did. And I'm not sure how it came about, but I did remember getting paired in a random league, I think, against a player playing Indestructible Lands and Boombus. And I must have been playing Omnath and we played game one, they played Boombus, and I, I was just thinking, you know, I felt so helpless. I'm like, how do I beat that card? Like, they have the, the inevitability, you know, that card's just so scary to me. So, so I, I assume you mostly mean Bust rather than Boom, right? The six mana destroy all lands. Yeah, I guess maybe some people don't know what even Boombus is, or I'm guessing most people do, but it's, yeah, it's one of the split cards. It's two mana. Destroy target land you control and target land you don't control, or six mana Armageddon, destroy all lands. And the combo was the two mana part is that if you target a fetch land, you can stack it in response, or if you target an indestructible land on your side, you know, obviously you don't lose your land, so it's a two mana stone rain. Uh, kind of works with Flagstone of Trocare too, so it's really cool to play indestructible lands because it works with the boom part, and then later in the game with the Six mana Armageddon, you get not quite a one-sided Armageddon, but about half your lands are indestructible lands. The mm -hmm. the big downside is a lot of these indestructible lands come into play tapped, or you know, set it all taps for colorless, so it can lead to some mana issues. But I was like, okay, my lands all come into play tapped, or a lot of them do so. To make up for that, I have to play as many chief spells as possible. So I was like, Lightning Bolt, Galvanic Blast, I thought was great. You know, I was already playing red, so I looked at the red card. So Galvanic Blast, Lightning Bolt, Ragavan, uh, Cleansing Wildfire is another really cool one because it um, targets your own indestructible land, and it's basically a two-mana cantrip rampant growth, which is, you know, if... Solid. Yeah, I mean, any deck would play four copies of that card, pretty much no matter what you were playing, if you could, you know, it's just an amazing spell if that's what it is. Um, and I, then I figured I would pair it with blue. I'm not sure how that came about, but blue gave you Spell Pierce, which is a really good card right now. Uh, and then I rounded it out with Insole Artifacts and the, the new one that's called Rise and Shine. It's two mana put a four counters on a non-creature artifact and uh, so you know you just put overload that. yeah it has overload for six mana the overload has not come up a ton but it has come up a couple times it was a bit may maybe more win more you know it is pretty you know well probably win more but it is pretty fun to i guess overload it and just make all of your lands into four four indestructible creatures although i guess tapped creatures yeah no, there's also a combo where if you do first Rise and Shine and then Insol, then it's a 9-9, but that hasn't really come up much. And then I decided to just play the One Ring because I had all these cheap cards and I could ramp with Cleansing Wildfire, so I could play a turn three One Ring. And I just feel like that's maybe something that's, after playing this deck, maybe that's something that's a little unexplored in Modern. Just um, playing a ton of cheap cards with the One Ring. I remember months ago there was someone who did well in some event was a burn deck, burn the one ring. They were playing burn, but they also mm. had the one ring and ritual. And I even remember before Barcelona, PT Barcelona, I was in London and I saw TBS, the Ben sec, and he was talking about this deck. He was like, oh, I think that deck's good and stuff. And 
I never got around to try it. I talked to me to my teammates about it, and they kind of laughed it off. So we never really tried it. But maybe there's a bit of an unexplored. Um... Yeah, there is. There is you know a little bit of a tradition to put like a very powerful card in burn and like five O league with it. Anyways, I've seen that done with Oko. I've seen that done with. Uh, well, I guess Treasure Cruise was actually pretty stock and and burn. At times, it was pretty great, but Wandering and Burn does have a little bit of a, uh, a standing bridge vibe from the sideboard. It kind of fits in that in that sense, and I guess like all you want to do is draw Burn spells. So yeah, I mean, drawing cards is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, one really nice thing about this deck is that your a lot of your cheap cards are still fairly high impact in the the late game. Like Blast and Bolt are good early, but. You also burn out people really fast when you're drawing a bunch of cards. Um, obviously, Spell Pierce maybe not as impactful in the late game, or Ragavan not as impactful, but you still have Bold Galvanic Blast is so amazing. One mana, kill a Nomnaf has been huge for me. Um, you know, even your other cheap cards like Insol and stuff, it's kind of like not a burn spell, but a bit. You know, you're just throwing lands at them and attacking them. Uh, mm hmm. If this solitude you're installed, then it's more life for your one ring. And the deck has been, I played it in a league before playing it in the challenge. And I was like, okay, why not give it a shot in the modern qualifier? And yeah, it went really well. Uh, I will say, I don't think the deck is good against scam so far. Uh, my results against scam have not been good. We played for fun against Trotsky. He beat me. I played it again another another league and I lost to scam. In theory, it sounded kind of good. I was like, okay, I have the cheap spells um, to interact early in the game. And then in Soul Artifact, they have no answers to. But the way the games have played out, it, it wasn't fast enough and Shieldred could they be a problem. Bowmaster could be a problem. Mm -hmm. Sorry, what do you say? Yeah, they just they just raise your install artifact, right? So yeah, exactly. Grief is yeah, they, yeah. You know, in theory, I felt like okay, I have cheap removal, I have annoying cards for them to deal with, I have the one ring, maybe that can get me there, but it's it's been tough. I mean, my sample is small. Where it has been good though is the Omnath decks have been. I haven't lost to one yet. A Beans Omnath deck. I did have some, you know, lose some games. Some games are close. Um, I did have a lot of spots where I played a one ring and I'm like, they probably have binding and it's going to be tough. And then they just don't have the binding. And I just draw a bunch of cards. And if if they don't, if you play the one ring and, and they don't deal with it right away, um, you're you're really good because you're you slow them down with the land destruction. You have enough removal to kill all their creatures. And then eventually you just cast bust and there's not a ton of. I think that goes without saying that, like, if your one ring gets unopposed, you are in a pretty good spot. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking at your deck right now, and I'm still pretty pretty amazed. I think if you left me in a prison cell for a for a year with, and it will tell me that you will release me only if I home up with this deck. I, I don't know how to frame this, but. <laughs> You know, we have to build a deck like this. I would just not be able to think of it. I would just not be able to produce that. Yeah. No, it, it, it is weird. It, it kind of makes sense. It doesn't feel like it should do as well as it did, but um, a decent bit of it was on the back of my sideboard, like 
broader hoods and was really good against me uh living in you know it kind of lines up decently there's a bunch of big mana decks you know like tron i didn't get paired against amulet titan but against tron i was doing okay yeah. against living end the the one ring burn plan kind of bailed me out a few times you have spell pierce and then it's kind of tough once you actually have real sideboard cards for them um, the one ring armageddon burn deck <laughs> yeah and I think this deck is cool because I think it's it kind of got me thinking about other you know ways to use the one ring or ways to use that indestructible land boom bus shell. One thing I want to try is a white red version to have access to Flexstone of Trocares to have more of these untapped quote unquote indestructible land. Uh, you know, even though Flexstone's not indestructible, but it kind of accomplishes the same thing. Um, you know, Prismatic Endings, pretty solid, cheap card. Uh, also kind of made me want to play Merc Tide, honestly, because some games I would just, you know, I had, hadn't played Ragavan Lightning Bolt Spell Pierce in a while. And, you know, these draws are still really good in, in, in some spots. The problem with this deck is that it's a lot of lands that come in play tap, so that kind of slows you down a bit. Um, it kind of got me thinking about, you know, are, you know, it has, is there ways to use the One Ring that... We, we haven't done enough of, you know, Shrapnel Blast, One Ring's kind of cool. It's a lot of reach, a lot of damage. A lot of modern decks deal a bunch of damage to themselves. And your, you know, Galvanic Blast, that if you can turn that card on, that card's just so amazing. Having all your removal spells double down as burn spells, you know, no unholy heat. So, um, yeah, it's I think it's could a cool you, shell. Could you maybe build it as a monored deck and then... Have used both the artifact lands, a little bit of of the undistractable artifact lands, Taxis Citadel, and Field of Ruin on top of that. That probably would be pretty hard to actually fit at that they, point. But... I think right now in modern, it's a little ambitious. Most modern decks have at least three basic lands, and the difference between a deck having one basic land, two, and three, it's just I don't know if it's exponentially harder to manage them in a timely manner but it's i don't think it's a great angle because sure if the game goes long in a grindy matchup and then eventually you you get them and it's great but a lot of the the modern games are about the first you know yeah four five I'm six just, turns just thinking about that cover stack which again still kind of i don't vibe with with it all that much but it does have a decent amount of success and it does seem to be on the back of being a six to eight field of ruin deck yeah no yeah. but yeah especially like... against against folklore that that does seem to come up because even if folklore has their free basics the game goes long and you get to run them out and you know if you pair that up further with lensing wildfire it's even more land destruction but yeah, the, what I've found is that you almost never get to cleansing wildfire or opponent. You're almost always using it on your own lands. And that field of rune aspect, I feel like it'd be maybe a little redundant with boom bust anyways, if you're planning to to boom bust them. But I, I, did get, I did get paired once in modern against someone playing, you know, eight field of runes, four cleansing wildfire. They had fable in their deck. Uh, mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I feel like in the black deck it's nice because it's kind of a side little side thing, you know, and it works well with Fatal Push and maybe Thoughtseize or 
it's mm-hmm. um but yeah i feel like there's i don't know if there's enough of freebie in modern right now it would be nice if you at least have like one of the popular matchups that plays like zero basics or one basic i guess there's like char belcher but that's like i wouldn't call that a popular matchup. yeah it's like two percent of the meta or whatever it is three percent so I feel without these freebies, but yeah, no, that would be an option. Mono red, or maybe you just mono red and you just splash flagstone and you know two sacred foundries or whatever, three sacred foundries, just so you have something to get. Um, All right. Yeah. So yeah, no, that yes. deck was, that deck was cool, and I think there's you know maybe something there, especially if Omnath is popular and you get kind of freebies with boom bust. That being said, Omnath realistically is not popular on Magic Online. Not at least at least not compared to the meta share of Scam, which is humongous and just every challenge there's so many so many results from Scam in the top thirty two or whatever else gets posted. So yeah, you I probably know. can't really expect to play against too many beans online, at least in my experience, I kind of rarely play the mirror. Yeah, I know. Bowmaster stuff, people, you know, someone like Corey Bowmaster has just kind of given up and he started playing Scam. You know, the more the more time goes and the more a lot of these good players just kind of give up and, you know, turn to the Scam side. But mm-hmm. not us, right? Yeah. Which is and weird. I'm currently... Instead, I'm currently opening a amulet decklace on my other screen, and I have found an amulet decklace that is playing three copies of Urban Evolution. Five mana draw three. You may play an extra land this. Yeah, time. how is that card good against Bowmaster though? How is that the solution? Well, it's just like win. So yeah, they ping you three times, but so what? Yeah, I guess you gained a free life. No big deal. Yeah, I, I don't even know why. He's, isn't isn't like the Karsten thing he said that Scam had a bunch of bad matchup against some of the most popular decks? But do we even know for a fact Scam's winning that much? Or are people just... Uh, I don't know. You, you never know. You never know. I guess like still they don't post all of the standings of tournaments. Yeah. The so the thing that is clear is that there is a lot of scam in top thirty twos of uh, most challenges. Yeah, I've seen the screenshots where it's like half have the top thirty twos almost is ragged as scam. It does feel like a very powerful deck. It does seem to you know put up those results, but also I rarely feel like my decks have. Particularly bad matchups and struggle particularly much against scam for the for the most part. So I haven't been mining that to to the extent that some people seem to, but uh, it is a little bit weird. I have a little bit of a cognitive dissonance with happening with those results and like the reality I perceive when I play a MTGO prelim. Yeah, pretty pretty hard for me to wrap my mind around currently. Yeah, no, I feel like I get paired in Scamaton when I'm the, in the 01 bracket, the 1 2 bracket, the 2 2 bracket. It's not like, you know, I get paired all the time against Scam players who are not having a great turn and stuff. And I, 
I, I don't know if I've been beating it a bunch, but I've been playing a bit of... Um, I gave my old uh, mono black splash green Asmogorio list, the one was Asmo Cookbook, you play Emrakul and Chorus Vengeance, and you play the Saga Asmo package too, and that deck felt fine. It's a little high variance. You know, you have some amazing hands, and then you have some hands where you have to mulligan, and then you have to keep a hand that's missing a little something, and if you don't draw that little something, your draw doesn't do much, but it's uh, it, it's a fine deck. I've, yeah. But, um, yeah, I feel like that might be it for Modern this week. Yep. All right. You've been playing a bit of Pioneer. I saw you play some some Lotus. I get paired against Lotus a, a bunch. I've I've been playing a bit of uh, these Junt Luke decks. I've given Cloud UH a shout out to him. You made top four of his RC was Blue White Control. So why don't you talk to us a bit about Lotus and your prelims with that deck? Yeah, I just I just keep on playing Lotus virtually, assuming that so. For now, I'm soft locking myself to to play that deck in Chicago, which you know two sets away from now. But uh, seeing how Pioneer trends for a few years, it seems wise to have uh, Lotus mastered and ready up my sleeve. So I'm just playing with it and I enjoy it. So you know, a problem here, a problem there. I don't play too much Pioneer, but Thursday problems at noon EU time fit uh, well into my schedule so i tend to play them and uh, get my four rounds of pioneer weekly yeah any innovations lately just trying the same stuff in circles over again uh you know discontinuity growth spiral baral voyaging satyr all of those cards kind of shuffle around between those flex slots flex slots and the sideboard uh, in the Lotus Field deck. I am interested about trying Spelunking in, in Lotus Field too, because Spelunking does make your Lotus Field enter the battlefield untapped, which could, oh, be, wow. could be relevant. Could be a nice mana jump. And uh, cards like Growth Spiral are not particularly easy to cast on two mana anyways, so I'm going to be taking a look into Spelunking in that deck and in a, at least a few copies in those flex slots once uh, Caverns of Ixalan is out. Yeah, that's the one King Lotus field. Uh, sounds kind of nice. Huh, interesting. Yeah, I'm kind of excited. I'm playing the the Arena Early Access event, and I think the first deck I'm going to build, it's standard, but I think the first deck I'm going to build is the Cave deck. There's a bunch of Ram Cave spells, and I don't know, I'm just going to do the keyword search for cave and ramp and the, all these things. I got paired against a, an Up the Beanstalk Lotus Field deck, you know, kind of the Teferi, the, the blue-white base was discontinuity, but they were splashing uh, green for for Up the Beanstalk. I also saw a Band Triome in, in Lotus Field. Do you have a Band Triome in your list? Uh, no, the Band Triome is so that you can cycle your Sylvan Scrying, but also helps casting Promoka or Zakama a little bit or Silence if you play that but uh, I haven't been playing Silence so I just haven't been playing a Triumph and I like Temple of Mystery a lot so haven't been feeling like playing that one yeah 
I gave the the Claudio H blue white version a try the other day. It didn't go super well. I think it was maybe more my fault than the list. I was I started off to an O. I was drawing well, doing doing blue white things, you know, and then <laughs> had a very tilting match. Sometimes I just get super tilted about a loss. You know, it's just a league. I'm streaming, trying to have a good time, but can't help it. I was up again against up a game against Phoenix. Game two, kind of close, I lose. Maybe I don't play perfect, but probably hard to win. And then game three, I decide to bring in uh, both the angels I had in the sideboards. And obviously I cast it. They have lightning axe. The tempo swing just kind of blows me out. If I had been one of the Teferis I boarded out, I would have easily, easily won, you know? And I was like, I'm so dumb. Yeah, I, I was like, why did I bring in the angels? I know it's bad. I did a classic thing where I'm not too sure what to do and then random dude in chat just says something and i do you ever do that you don't know what to do and you do the first thing you see like not even like someone you know or you know is good or you just see the, the first random thing you see in twitch chat and you just do that occasionally but i try not to do that yeah i try not to put uh, trust in those comments but certainly that can happen yeah anyways so that's what happened and I was also tilted because somehow, despite the fact they hadn't seen an angel in game two and had no angels in my deck in game two, I mean, I still have Shark Typhoon, so it can be useful there, but in game three, they had free Lightning Axe in their deck still. I was like, what the? Why do you still have free Lightning Axe in the deck when I might not even have an angel? But I guess I have to have too many cards to board out and they have to respect yeah, it. You have like eight removal spells, you board out five of them, you are still left with free, but, but free Axe is. A bit many. Yeah, I feel like I've never seen anyone. Yeah, any, yeah. Anyways, I thought the the Claudio H build was decent. It looked coherent. He basically, he's not playing portable hole. He was playing four March of the other worldly light and two lockdown for early removal spell to go with his two verdicts. And he was playing no free mana counters. Just change the equation, make disappear veto and a sensor. Uh, you know, I made a few changes. They were probably bad, but I didn't want to play four March. I feel like that card's just not efficient enough to play four copies of. I added a bunch of sensors. He had like one copy of Quick Study, one copy of Narset, one dig. It felt like, you know, the, the list looked kind of well thought out and the curve looked decent and the synergies. So at the end of the day, I ended up going two free actually. I won the first round and I just felt like it was another Pioneer Blue White Control deck. It's it's fine and you know, sure that your card choices and your bill matter, but at the end of the day it's just felt like very average. So I don't know if it's like user error or no, classic blue white control. Yeah. Um I don't know. The maybe we talked. We talked about it with four color, right? You have all the answers, but then you're like, "Oh, I went." You know, I played my angel and got lightning axe. Oh, I two freed. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You just still need to, you know, draw the right cards in the right order, and if you you stumble a bit, it just falls apart. But um. Yeah, I, I think his belt is still like pretty good, but still feel like blue white's not. Not that great. Um, I've also been playing more of these Luca decks. Um, Jaunt Luca was Spring to Light into Valky, uh, or also um, it was a Japanese player who, who 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 tweeted at me or tagged me in one of his tweets. And what he did is he 
Talk to John. Talk to, to, to John. Well, it's more four color. I call it John because it's space John splashing for bring to light. And what he did was he cut bring to light okay. and he replaced them with Karn. So you're kind of a better mana base. His list had four mana confluence, which I kind of just cut cut them all and 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 played some more. You know. So at Shock. that point, it is it is actually John Dick. Yeah, it was the, the mana was jumped. Obviously, Confluence is nice. It lets you hard cast a track sites. It's really good fixing, but I didn't feel like the deck needed that. And uh, mm -hmm. the deck, uh, I, I played two leagues. I went 4 1 once, uh, was pretty high on the deck. I went 1 4 today, not as high on the deck. Someone someone played a league, was it? So they went 5 I don't know. It seems like the deck makes sense in theory. Your curve is, is nice, your mana is pretty good. You know, you have the 8 black. One mana spells, push and thought seeds, then you have your eight green creatures, carried paradise druid. You play harvester, which is solid, goes well with fable, just good good card in general, lowers your curve, and then you have Karn, Luca, a couple of Traxa, and they had one Liliana, Death's Majesty, the five mana Liliana, which is mm -hmm. kind of cool because it can reanimate a Traxa, take over a game, and then one of the new Black Virtue, which has been not that great for me, just kind of fine or whatever. And um, deck's fine. Sideboard, RCU suffer. You don't have much of a sideboard. They only had two extinction event in their sideboard as non-current target. I tried. I think I trimmed a few tar few current targets for a copy of Hidetsugu Consumes All. I feel like that card's really strong right now in some matchups, and a copy of uh, Mitok Massacre as well. I have your list open, and I also see a copy of Sire of Insanity in your sideboard. How could you not mention that? I, I was going to. They had two copies, actually. So I guess their plan is to swap 2 for 2 in the matchups where they think Sire is better. I, I was trying to cheat in a few extra you know, sideboard cards, and I figured, okay, in the matchup with Sire is good, I'll still keep in one or two attracts. And attracts that can also be good because it finds you thought these, but... Um, one of these things was this deck is that you compared to the Rona Luca deck, which is different, but still has you know you still have a Traxel Lucas. You don't have mocks, and you don't get these kind of cheaty turns where you get your Traxa and you hit a mox and you can self cast you know push or thoughtsies depending on what you need. So maybe maybe I I got a little too greedy and uh, not having the second sire is is nice. But yeah, the the deck is yeah, I think, fun. I think not playing the second sire of Insanity is definitely way too greedy. Yeah, um, it's tough because I think against these Boris Convoke decks, I got paired against a red-green version today that was playing kind of the same, the the Gleeful card and that Burning Tree and Tark. Yeah, these super swarmy decks without meat hooks and stuff in your sideboard, I think it's it's it can be tough. I know that in my non-Karn version, I was up to, after a sideboard, I think I had one extinction event in the main, and then I had a solar flare in my sideboards, and two meat hooks, and two hitted Sugu consumes all. Just you kind of need these cards if you want to have a decent matchup. Um, Karn, Karn was good. Karn's still the same, right? It's really good against deck like Lotus Field. Um, that's probably where it's at its best, right? Uh, mm -hmm. As a Lotus Field player, I'm assuming you. You 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 probably agree with that. Uh, Lot I lost a Lotus yeah, Field today, is, though. They had um the gummy was needle. They just played turn one needle on Karn. I don't know if that stuck. It's not too popular nowadays, but it used to be 
quite popular, especially when mono green was more uh, more of a prevalent matchup. One of the best ways to tackle Karn. Just play your own needles, name Karn. Yeah, it was great for them to play down turn one. I ended up drawing two Karns and no other meaningful interaction. And Yeah. Um... But yeah, I'm not sure what to think about the deck. It looks good on paper. Um, but I felt a little... Uh... Yeah, I don't know. My, my matches today were kind of really close. I played a pseudo-mirror against um, Transmogrify, and they just had more cheap early discard spells, and they were able to stick a Fable. I think I got a little unlucky drawing a Trackside bunch. Um, so maybe I hit the bad side of variance. But yeah, Pioneer right now, if there was a Pioneer tournament tomorrow, I'm not too sure what I would play. Honestly, I would maybe just play the the the, the Yorion Luca Rona deck. That deck is always has I feel like it's overperforming. It looks all wonky. Um and it's 80 cards, but it, it's been really powerful. And I feel like better than it looks, even though it, it does also lack a bit of sideboard. Maybe you can play 80 cards Yorion, but no Karn. And have a real sideboard. But, you know, one of the theory is that you're diluting your sideboard cards anyways when you're playing 80 cards. So it's not as big of a deal if you lose your sideboard slots. That, that deck's, yeah, it's good. It's a little weird though. You have, you're playing a Karn sideboard, but the, the stock list right now only has three Karns. You're playing... Valky, but you only have three bring to light, so maybe there's a little bit more tuning to be done with, with this list. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you saw anything that spiked your interest in, in Pioneer or if maybe any of the new cards look powerful for for Pioneer Modern. As I said, mostly just ice on Lotus Field, and I haven't been uh, looking at different things too much although there is a few new sacrifice themed cards and i enjoyed that deck from time to time uh, there is fanatical offering i think that's the name of the card which is essentially a deadly dispute but instead of producing a treasure token it makes a map token uh, and as other, otherwise it's same as dispute two mana draw two it, you can sacrifice either an artifact or a creature so yeah, That's so cool. much worse in the early game, but potentially a tiny bit better in, in the late game. You've played Sacrifice a decent bit. We talked about that card on my stream today. People were saying maybe you wanted the, the fifth or sixth copy. Do you agree? That you, yeah, that, I think that's, so. Yeah. The spirit is just awesome, and drawing multiples is, is so great. But, you know, partially it's because drawing multiples is just easy to fire off because they effectively cost one mana. Panical offering effectively just costs two mana, two real mana, so you probably don't want to play as many, but uh, always happy to include more divinations into into my deck, and it seems like a pretty good divination. So yeah. that was like the thing I was most interested in. And there's also a, a pirate that dies and creates a treasure and scries for one mana. I think Greedy Freebooter, yes, Greedy yeah. Freebooter is the name. Yeah. Isn't that card just a bit worse than Shambling Gas? I think Shambling Gas is 1-1 one, one for 1. If well, it probably. Dies... Yeah. Probably. But, you know, if you if you want 8 Shambling Gas, then yeah. you can play 8 Shambling Gas, 8 
quotation marks, daily disputes, and then maybe a ramp to Bolas's Citadel, huh? That's nice. Ooh, okay. Because I was also thinking that stuff competition was the I forget the name, but the what the the one mana for one red that draws you, uh, lets you look at the top two and play one. Lucky witness, yeah. yeah. Lucky witness. It's it's like a lucky witness is gonna be a better card if you are just playing a mid range mm -hmm. deck, which the stock version is just a mid range deck with fable and that. But if you're if you dream bigger, then I think that that's easier now to dream bigger. With, with the treasure makers and some big cards like the Polas Citadel, it's the most obvious one. Maybe there's some some other stuff. Yeah, there's a few cards that that caught our attention when I, I was going through the list. There's Bitter Triumph. That's the the new black mana removal spell. Someone was saying they were excited about that card in Grease Fang because it's two mana removal spell that lets you discard mm. a card. It's either pay free life or Discard a card, black and one, instant speed, destroy target creature or planeswalker. Also, an out to Karn. That's nice for Greasefang. Yeah. Um, so that card could be good. The problem is that Greasefang is a pretty tight package right now. It's pretty tight. And it's good when you have a perfect hand, when you already have everything, but it doesn't help you find the missing pieces. So I feel like it's not the kind of card you can play a ton of, but maybe it's just that good. I guess they already play Collective Brutality. Maybe they just straight up replaces Collective Brutality uh, for the most yeah, part. I, I certainly wouldn't mind a few copies of Bitter Triumph in Greece yeah. There's a couple of good Merfolks. There's the, the Freeman F Flash guy that counters a triggered ability. And um, not only that, does more, you know, kind of locks down a potentially a Planeswalker. There's a, the new green one drop that I think is just an almost strictly better. Uh, you know, there was already the one, the the one green two two four one kind of Merfolk. This one is, it's the new Explore card. It's one one Explore for one, and it happens to be a Merfolk. Mm -hmm. So it's basically either yeah, one almost, one, yeah, almost a two two or just a one one draw a land. Exactly. Solid. Exactly. Both both options look pretty good. Yeah. Now there are some cool cards. There was an eight eight four two, the blue black, and someone said you could play that with Obnixilis. So potentially go turn two. An 8-8, it has a bunch of downsides, like you can't attack. Oh, and you casualty an Obnixilus, and you, you ult ultimate immediately. In theory, you can. I don't know if you even want to, because the ultimate is minus 7. Target player draws 7 cards and lose 7 lives. So I don't think you want to target your opponent on turn 3, and you probably don't want to target yourself quite on turn 3, but... Uh, yeah. That's but it's still... That great, but... It's still scary in a Grixis shell, like these cards of, you know, the. So it's an 8 8 for a black and a blue, and it can't mm -hmm. attack or block, I think, unless you have Descend 8, which means you need 8 permanents in your graveyard. So you probably don't get mm -hmm. that for a while. And then it has a 4 mana ability that's kind of like loot, and I don't even remember, but that card was kind of cool. Uh, card, then discard a card, and target player mills cards equal to the mana value of the discarded card. Yeah, there you go, exactly. Um, let's see. There's a bunch of good vampires. One last one is just a new super-powered Civic Wayfinder. It's Hugh Atley. It's a 2-free Civic Wayfinder, meaning 2-free for a green and 2 when it enters a battlefield, you get a basic. And for um, hybrid, white-red mana, hybrid, white-red mana, and free, so 5 mana total, you can 
flip it into a pretty powerful saga. I think the first effect is you get two free free dino and uh, mm-hmm. the, the free other effects. So um, someone was saying fixing an Omnath maybe, you know, kind of fixing early blocker, uh, late game Fred. I was thinking maybe it could be cool with Fires of... Uh, what's the name of that card? Fires of Invention? Because you don't have, you know, you play it on turn three, fixes your mana, gets you your fourth land, play Fires, and then on turn five, you, you know, you get to cast spells and potentially flip it. Um, One of the chapters on, on the saga on the back side of Huatli uh one of the chapters is search your library for a dinosaur card and put it into your hands Uh, you certainly need to uh introduce some dinosaurs to your deck if you want to be playing that card and getting full value from that but i agree that the first chapter make two two tokens pretty solid yeah it just seems like it does a lot right i mean it it was a while ago but wayfinder used to see play in in standard at least and pioneers not that far in power level from standard, and this is obviously a much much better wayfinder. People, you know, played Nissa at times, the one that gets you a forest and flips mm-hmm. when you get seven mana. But yeah, this one like pretty, pretty nice and and standard. I like yeah. playing with it. Yeah, it's not even clear you even need to play a Dino honestly, because just flipping it to get a Civic Wayfinder that flips into getting two free frees, adding a bunch of mana. I was wondering if it was a dino itself so I could tutor in chains, but yeah. Um, there's a yeah, few others, but she's uh, not a dinosaur. No, she's not. Um, yeah, I guess we'll know more to set the uh, you know early access uh, today and tomorrow. Next, you know, we get the cards on Magic Online and stuff. I think around next Tuesday, probably Tuesday, Wednesday. So uh, mm-hmm. It's going to give us like, what, 10 days to play with the new cards. That that should be pretty fun. I'm actually looking forward to it because a lot of the time when the new set comes out, there's a PT or an important mm-hmm. tournament, and I don't really have time to to like have fun and brew with the new cards. I have to kind of get down to business, let's say. And uh, So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to brewing with the new cards, trying out the new stuff, and that, that should be fun. Yeah, no PT connected to this one, so this set is going to go without any Premier play, I guess, in that sense. Yeah, exactly. I don't have to to draft the set. I might sell for fun, but I don't uh, have to practice drafts. So I'll probably be trying be trying a bunch of stuff. Most of it bad, but um, I guess we'll be here to report in a few weeks. Uh, anything else you want to talk about this week? I think that's it for me. All right, well, um, as always, um, I guess we need to put our life on the line, actually. I almost forgot. All right, life on the line, for those of you who are new, it's a theoretical tournament. If you win, you live. If you die, you lose. And we have to bring... If you lose, you lose, you die. If you lose, you die, yes. Yes. And we each have to bring a deck uh, for the formats we've talked about. So Modern Pioneer... uh, Go ahead, Canister, while I think about my answers. I think you guys, you got, you have yours ready. Yes, I have mine ready. I just play my lands tapped in both formats. In Modernist Amulet, I will have three Explorers and a Sundering Titan in my sideboard. Potentially also a copy of the Tarask. That's it for Modern. Wait, which uh, card? 
the Tarask. You don't know the Tarask? That's a dinosaur you could search up with Huatli's uh, third chapter. It's what does it know, do already? It deals with Alashnon. That's the uh, that's the important part. Okay. You know, just like your casual nine mana D and D dinosaur with Ward Ten and Haste that fights one of the defending players creatures when it attacks. Uh, it's a trigger on it attacks. Nice. Okay. And then so in Pioneer, of course. At dealing. It's great at dealing with Alash Norn, which sometimes could be an issue, so... That's the war end is no joke. <laughs> Not many can pay 10 mana to get through the Tarask's uh, defenses. If done right, and... no, no can defend. Yes. So, that's it for Modern. In Pioneer, I play Lotus Field. And I... If I can play with Rivals of if if I can play with Lost Covers of Ixalan, maybe I add uh, the Spelunking in there. Those are my answers. Yeah, we can stuff for me. For Pioneer, I would play Yorion, Luca, Rona combo. Um, that deck's been quite impressive. And for Modern... Uh... You know what? I've seen Lord Beerus just win a lot with Living End, and um, these Furies have been helping against Scam. So I guess mm -hmm. I, I'd, I'd just play Living End right now. Why not? Solid answer, Gap. Thank you. It means a lot coming from you. Not being ironic. Um, all right. Well, if you made it this far, as always, thank you so much for listening. Canister, where can we find you? on my youtube channel which is canister or on my twitch channel which is canister underscore mdg all right awesome playing some prelims and some challenges are you playing challenges this weekend and uh, no i'm taking this weekend off okay nice i'm also taking this weekend off um but you can find me most days on twitch twitch.tv slash yellow hat i also have a youtube i'm on twitter at gab nasif and um yeah, Pat, who's not here with us, but you can find him on Twitter at GetSmart. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Hope you all have a great week and we'll see you next time. Take care. Take care.